Welcome to Big Blend Radio with your hosts, Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazine.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Big Blend Radio. You know, every third Thursday, it is time to chat with Lee Brovadani. Lee is known as the trust architect and also the soul journey doula. We're going to talk about that in a little bit, but she's a speaker and workshop facilitator on trust, and she is recognized as a top thought leader on trust by the organization Trust Across America. She's also the author of two books. One is Trust Me, Restore Belief and Confidence in an Uncertain World. See, this is a big topic of today. And the other is Trusted, Secret Lessons from an Inspired Leader. I encourage you to go to her website, thetrustarchitect.biz, and also for her work as an end-of-life midwife, where you can say death doula, you can go to souljourneydoula.com. All the links will be in the show notes, no matter where you're listening, whether it's YouTube, Spotify, Apple, it'll all be there. But I do want to say this, today's topic is about rebuilding trust, and I think, you know, that can go on a personal level, a professional level. If you are at the end of your life and knowing and maybe it's time to make amends. I mean, I even look at it with my friends going through uh, rehab or going through AA. One of the first things they do is have to apologize for things they've done in the past. So it's a it's a big conversation to have. So welcome back, Lee. How are you? Hey, I'm good. It's good to, and I know that Nancy is on the line as well. So hi, Lisa and Nancy. Hey. Hi. Hey, this cool. Nancy. <laughs> Nancy Nancy is here. Yeah, we're in Arkansas today. Actually, we're recording this from Tiffany's Bed and Breakfast. I got to give them a shout out on 60 acres outside of Hot Springs. It's a beautiful day. I'm looking out in the woods and you're in Nova Scotia. What is your view? Uh, do you have trees? What What's it look like out there? Oh, yeah. No, it's I'm well, see, I'm staying at an apartment in downtown Halifax, which is on Quinpool. So just a big shout out to all of the fabulous little restaurants close to us. And here in in Halifax and in Nova Scotia, there's kind of this special meal that you get if you've been out celebrating and maybe had too many beers and it's Donairs. So the king of Donairs is right next door. I'm looking out over trees and uh, a little bit of rain right now. But for anyone who hasn't been to Halifax, I have to tell you, it's absolutely gorgeous. It really missed most of the fires. So it's still absolutely a place that you want to come to and visit. Awesome. So, awesome. That's awesome. What is in that meal? I can't pronounce it. Doliers? Doliers? Donair? Donair. 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 No, no, it is a spicy meat. And they have um, kind of a sweet garlicky sauce and onions and tomatoes. And it's in a pita. Oh, wow. This sounds Sounds like my kind of food. Yeah, because it is the best thing to eat if you don't want to have a hangover. Yeah. Okay. Well, (laughs) I need to go hang out there, you know. (laughs) Listen, um, the, the, the. topic of today is really fascinating to me because like I was saying like there are times in life when you have to make amends and and it really yeah. it's interesting because I know people have done something wrong and they'll go you know what I'm going to move town or something or you know instead of face up to something that they may have done um or be completely oblivious you know everybody learns their lessons at a time that they learn them right and um yeah. and rebuilding trust 
you can't really rebuild trust without the other person or entity because this could be business or you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Both sides have to kind of commit to it. I use the word commit, uh, which is one of your five tenets of trust. Yeah, commitment. Yeah. And, you know, if you haven't made mistakes, then you really haven't been trying hard enough because I don't think you can go through <laughs> yeah. this life you haven't done anything. without making mistakes. <laughs> and sometimes, I don't know about you, but in the moment, I feel so 100% right. And yet when I look back over my life, I can now see the mistakes that I made that I was so certain were the best possible. It was the answer. It was the decision. And I was 100% right. And now looking back with a bit more wisdom, I go, oh, what was Yeah, because you, you know, you make different mistakes at different times in your life based yeah. on experience. And so Absolutely. if you haven't experienced something, it is likely you will make a mistake. You know, yeah. and down the road, you learn from what you just did. And so the next time around, you don't make that mistake, hopefully. Yeah. You know, my, my granny yeah. used to just tell me that if you're not making mistakes, you're not doing anything, you're not living. But she also said that you have to learn to trust yourself, to pick yourself back up, dust yourself off and try again. Yeah. You know, that, and. and- it, it's inevitable. You are going to make yeah. mistakes. Yeah. And, and a really wise philosopher by the name of Mighty Mouse said, <laughs> if, if no one made mistakes, there wouldn't be erasers on the ends of pencils. So. Oh, well, hey. That's hey, right. that's, you know, that's, wisdom like from the that. mouse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, we did a I thing like on, on the guy who did the eraser. Gosh, what was that? It was one of our... Um, big weekly blend shows um there was a whole thing there's actually like a n- national pencil eraser day or something like that where we all bow down to the rubber man who said we could put we rubber came on out the with end. pens we came out with pen and ink and that mess that, that was that and then somebody had to make tippix or do you call it white out here tippix yeah i don't know tippics. anyway we're, we're right. all past that because now we have like just oh edit delete you know on phones i mean do any do any of us know how to use a pen anymore you know it's kind of, it's kind of gone out the window these days but but um cursive writing yeah definitely yeah, gone yeah you know the yeah. the whole um mis- making mistakes is reality it and and it's using those to change some you know to change things and to fix things um is where the lesson is sometimes it's like oh okay and what about ego and having to that's I think where a lot of relationships where it's whether it's professional or not, if egos are involved, then mm-hmm. don't necessarily get learned. Egos. Yeah. You know, and, that, and we know, did talk about early sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say ego is just a it's a self defense mechanism. Yeah. And where does where does confidence and ego intersect and where does confidence become um like being arrogant mm-hmm. and, and and so there's there's always this fine dance that we do with confidence, ego and arrogance and I think mm-hmm. confidence is this um assurity that y- you have the confidence you don't need to be a braggart about it. 
Right. And the arrogance, you know, I don't know about you, but when, when I see arrogance, it's when people sometimes believe they're more than they are and hold it yeah. and lord it above others. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's a better definition. What would you say it is? Politics. <laughs> yeah. Um, Politics. Are you wanting me to watch my language today? Um, but there's, but I, I think it's actually there's okay. So if, your confidence to me is like understanding that, okay, being confident in yourself is self, is believing in yourself and knowing that, yeah, you could fall down and make a mistake. Confidence is, yeah, you got to get out there and sing on stage, right? I'm just going to use that oh, as a, boy. right? Maybe someone's going out to karaoke and knowing that anything could go wrong when you do it. You do improv, right? So it's the same thing. Yeah. You could bomb, right? And, and, and I, oh, so. You have to commit. So here we're back to the commitment part. And even if you're bombing, I I listen to so many comedian (laughs) podcasts. It's like one of my favorite things is to just, I, cause there's a commitment you have to do going on stage. And that's something I understand from the singing standpoint and even hosting all the live broadcasts we've done when, when things are going down. I mean, literally you still commit like we are like the band on the Titanic. And um, which we've actually reenacted, by the way, we, when we had a violin player, we used to do that. That's a whole other story. But there is a commitment to it. So if you know that you're going to do your absolute best, come what may, because you cannot control everything. So I think control has to do with it. But confidence is about confidence in yourself to say, OK, I can do my best. I will do my best. I have confidence in myself to do the best that I have in my abilities or knowledge. That is confidence. Ego comes from fear and uh, a lot of sometimes ignorance. And um, and sometimes, you know, some people are just. It's it's a form of intimidation. Yeah, or, or just it's intimidation, too. Yeah. So yeah. there's when you get into business, you know. Um, some of the old school business tactics are really, um, some of them are actually getting there. They're, you're not going to have staff very much longer if you um, use the bullying tactics. And well, the um, autocratic business side, you know, and how do you, how do you, if you've had a boss like that, or you've had a leader, yeah. not even a boss, but if you've had a leader of a company that has worked as an autocratic bully kind of leader, mm. first of all, how do you rebuild the trust when you are trying to get and keep good people? And so yeah, that's well, one thing when you're looking at rebuilding. Would would you say it's, rebuilding, it's, would they have to come back to the people that are there and the people that did work there and say, hey, I now just realized that I was a complete idiot. I'm really trying to watch my language. It's not going to do very well today. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but I, you know, I realized that is not the management style that I meant. I didn't, you know, someone told me this is how you're acting. And that was not, you know, or maybe I thought that was the way to get things done. And now I realize, no. And uh, you have to hope that, you know, an apology, but a genuine apology, right? Yeah. That would be so the first So if we thing. go back to the the whole five C's. Yeah, yeah. Trust, so. So for people, we haven't gone through these for a while, but it's caring, commitment, consistency, competence, Mm. and communication. So you have to first communicate. If you want to rebuild trust, then you have to acknowledge where it was damaged. So you have to acknowledge the trust break. Mm. And then you have to 
it, it's not enough just to acknowledge it because, you know, there's that adage, words are cheap. So yep. you have to be consistent in your actions going forward. You can't just say sorry. You have to show sorry. So you, yep. and you show it, but I'm, I'm not saying prostrate yourself and keep apologizing. I'm saying that there has to be, I'm sorry for this action. Here's what I learned. And going forward, this is what I'll do. So it's kind of a three-step progress, a process. It's, you know, I'm sorry mm-hmm. for, and then really specific. And what you learned from that mistake, because even if it's, you know, um, I told, if, if it's in a business setting, it's um, we've lost customers because of this. And so I need to apologize to people and be very specific. And here's what we're going to do going forward. And then when it's on a personal level, it's kind of similar, except it's, it's even more specific. So if I said something that was really hurtful to you, and I I can't imagine doing that because we're all friends, but let's say if I said something inadvertently that was really insulting, then I'd have to recognize what it was that I said, the impact that it had on you. And, and, you know, I've had these discussions with family members that a lot of times people say, well, that wasn't what I intended. That's not what I meant. But, and, and I always say, well, it's like a car accident. No one ever means intends to get in a car accident, but the impact is that damage was done Mm -hmm occurred and maybe the car was damaged. So you have to recognize the impact. It's the same when you are apologizing to a person. You have to, even if it wasn't your intent to hurt Mm. or cause damage, empathy shows that you understand the impact. You can see how it hurt the person. And so you acknowledge that. And then the same thing going forward. Um, I realized when I said X, Y, Z, that this is the impact that it had. And now Mm -hmm. that I know, I'll make sure that I won't say your baby's ugly, you know, (laughs) whatever it was you said. Nice. Hey, remember that Seinfeld episode with the ugly baby? No, they all look like aliens. Come on, they all do. Uh, Yeah, I once had this boss who, um, when I was working in an insurance company, and we had like six people in a office and our desks were all next to each other. And he would walk down the aisle, you know, three desks on each side. And he demanded that your stapler be out on the desk so he could pound each person's stapler as he went down the aisle. And I thought, you know, this is a form of intimidation. What a weirdo too. It, yeah. And it, I just thought, this is weird, man. And so one day I just put mine in the drawer and he pounded, he didn't even look, he just pounded where the stapler was supposed to be and he hit the desk. And I'm thinking, what's the difference? You hit the desk, you hit stapler, you're still hitting, you know? And, and so I got called into the office and I promptly quit. And he said, well, you don't need to quit. You just need to apologize. And I was like, Oh, no, 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 you need to quit and apologize because what you're doing is intimidating your staff. He could not see that. I'm like, what is the point of what you're doing? He goes, well, it's his ritual to start the day. I'm like, man, you are messed up, (laughs) messed up. 
but you know, and there's a thing there with the unwillingness to look at the action, think it through, and ask yourself, why am yeah. I pounding the stapler? What is the what is that? You know, the starting you know, a day could be a pledge to been. allegiance. Hmm? His intent might have been, you know, I'm I'm building this, like, what a fun guy I am and what a great guy. You know, like, I'm sure his intent didn't match the impact. That was awful. It well, was okay. awful. Yeah. Well, remember that one Friends episode where Chandler, every time he went to work, the guy would smack his butt. And he was like, what the hell is that? And then... When the guy stopped, he got all upset because he would smack somebody else's butt instead. Like, it was weird. I'm like, now I feel, you know, listen, when you when you hang around as many dogs and cats, it's all about butts. Like, we do all the time. There's always an animal right. and they always show always you, like, shiny. look at my butt. But it was kind of an interesting thing. It's very much like the guy with the stapler. But the yeah. guy was like, hey, look at me. Like, what you're telling about, Lee? I think Nancy's guy was a little bit more of, like, an arrogant, like, I'm in charge smack yeah. you know what i mean like i'm one well, of these people kind of, like i don't even like violent. ringing the. i don't like going to a hotel or checking in and having to ring the bell i hate ringing the bell like yeah. so <laughs> for I'm, i just because i it's it's kind of like a ding dong rude thing um even though they want it you know i just to me it's it's just a weird like i don't know am i disturbing you, you it just feels that way to this just to why it's, like, it's weird being served yeah, you know, the ding, I just, it, maybe it's from when we lived in England, uh, not England, um, South, uh, Kenya, where it, back, oh, the back in the colonial oh. days where they oh would ring God. a little bell and hope their servants would come running out to give them. That was ah. bad. I couldn't I, I do just, it. I, I can't stand it. the ringing of the bell because it just seems so arrogant to me. Like, yeah. ding, I'm here and I'm better than you. You need to serve me. Like, I can't stand it. Like, that's just me. Then it, and it's just my yeah. own weirdness. But, um, but anyway, so the bing, like the ding of the bell to me, when Nancy talks about the guy with the stapler, I feel oh, like it's man. just like his, his little, little Hitler way of being authoritative. Like I'm yeah. here, yeah. I'm your boss. I can smack the, and you need to have it there in this position. That's anal, man. See, I'm talking yep. about butts yeah, again. And for but- rebuilding, <laughs> for him to rebuild trust, he would have had to have said, um, it came to my attention that this isn't something that people enjoy. And I'm really sorry. He he needed to apologize. And yep. here's what I'm going to go do mm-hmm. in the future. I, I thought it was interesting. And it was an exercise I did when I was speaking on stage. And I would say, when talking about trust, I'd say, um, I want everyone to take a moment and just think of someone who broke your trust. And then you, mm-hmm. I'd watch the faces and you could see like hurt and disappointment and anger and everything around someone's faces. And I said, is there anyone willing to share an experience mm-hmm. that they had? And like there, all kinds of hands would go up and people would talk about something. And it could have happened like a decade ago. And that mm-hmm. amount of passion that was still in their voice, they would say, this is what this person did. And they, you know, they, they destroyed my trust. One person said that they had a boss, um, a manager, and they, they were going to apply for a job. And they, this boss said, I will recommend you for the position when the big boss comes in from out of town. And then at the end of the meeting, he went up and he said, so what did he say? And, and the person said, Oh, I didn't bring it up. 
and completely broke the trust. And this was a person that they had considered really close to. They were not only their manager, they were also a friend. So it went on and they, and I said, so what happened? He said, I quit. And I'm still not friends with that person. See, but that, but now that's, see, but this is Mm -hmm. what happens. And this is where I want to go with the first part where we, at the beginning of the conversation, I said, does both sides have to commit to this? Because maybe if someone didn't fix it right there and then, timing wise, the other person quits and is pissed forever. And the other person is just going on their lives. It's like a hit and run. You know, (laughs) the person who hit the car keeps going. And this just happened to a friend of ours, man. It sucks. His whole van got wiped out while he was on vacation. Someone just came down the street and whacked his van, smashed it anyway, and kept going. But um, but the other side of that exercise that I do is I say, I want you to think of a time when you broke someone's trust. Oh. Oh, she mm. swung and the what pendulum. It's crickets. It's crickets. Uh. And I've had someone say, Lee, trust is one of my core values. I've never broken someone's trust. Oh, oh, come on. It's not, it's not, no, I've, I have, I remember as a kid going and, and lying to Nancy, like totally getting, yeah, I think I was skipping school again or, cause I'm, Mm -hmm. I I was, that was my biggest, I was always skipping school. And so Nancy was like, and she'd get in trouble, like from, you know, we had really the old white you know, principal telling Nancy, well, this oh always happens with single mothers. They and called me, they out. said I was unfit. an unfit mother. Single, because you're single. Because you know? I was oh, single. Oh, my God. And, and they oh, called yeah. me an unfit mother. Misogynistic. And, you know, it was just, it, it was. But, and, but so she, she, she said to me, you're lying to me, and I know you're lying, and here's why I know. You're basically caught. And we, none of us could really get away from it because – one thing Nancy was good at, she knew all the parents of my friends. She made sure she knew who, what, and where. And yeah. I never really got a hundred percent away with anything. There's a few no. things here and there, but but um she knew and I broke her trust and she says, That's it. You know, our mm-hmm. relationship is devastated at this point. You lied to me. You know this is what happens to me. So you decided to take this risk knowing it can ruin our relationship. And ruin and how it's going to hurt me as an individual by them doing this. You know, this is what's happening and you know, it was wrong. I mean, it was like the best guilt ever. And she's like, that's it. You're going to have to work to build my trust. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, I just said, I'm sorry. She's like, that's not good enough because this is the second time, third time, whatever, 10th time, you know, you keep doing this, but you obviously don't value or try, yeah. you know you you don't value this now holy hell I, I mean it was like i have to work like it was like you better wow yeah yeah i mean you've hurt your mother we have a strong relationship so that sucked like when i realized like you know your mother's going getting called this and it's your fault and even though they're wrong we can't even bond over the fact that they're wrong about how they you know treat single women um because now you've you've you know stepped over this line and and, and that's the thing in relation like when you when you step over a line that's that's where trust gets broken loyalty you know there's loyalty yeah. and i think that's the huge thing is and i'm a very incredible it's it's in my personality it's in my 
horoscope, you know, Virgos are insanely loyal. But then when you really push over a loyal Virgo, man, you don't want to be around me. You will hear the loudest yelling, swearing human being (laughs) and upset person who will probably never talk to you again. And when someone pulls the rug under me, you have to really do it a lot, just like what Nancy did with me on that. It'll take a lot. And when it happens, it's over. It's done. You have pushed the buttons. You've had warnings. It's over and out. And at that point, I will tell you, it's going to be loud. And I will tell you what it would. And if you don't fix it. But at that point, I think people don't hear those warnings. And yeah, it's really there's a there's a two way street on this. So like Nancy had that door open for me to fix it, saying you're to rebuild. But where at that door was like, it was a crack open. Right. But if the other person's like, screw you, I quit like that guy. How how does anything get rebuilt if they don't leave that crack open? You know what I mean? That and it makes a huge difference when, you know, honestly, um, a mom to a child as angry as Nancy was and the age that you were, I can tell you that from from my perspective, the door, it wasn't just a crack open. Mm-hmm. It was only closed part way. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, it was. Because it was. It was child, a big wake up. Have so much acceptance. She was, oh yeah. yeah, she was. It was a big wake up call. It was like, here, you know, yeah. you're, you're going to have to grow. I mean, and I mean, I was a, I was old enough to know. And I mean, but you I know, was. What you were was, doing was incredibly dangerous. Yeah, too. I was stupid. You know, because we were in Africa, and then she's all wandering around by herself. You know, and I'm like, are you? Yeah. I, I was just. You know, I can't even, even know. Well, we don't need to go into everything that I do. Like I wasn't that bad, but (laughs) I was, we don't need to go into all of that. But, um, I, I did. (laughs) Yeah. Um, the last few years of high school, I was completely bored with school. Let's put it that way. I wanted out. And, um, yeah, yeah. me too. I think that's where we've bonded. We've had those talks, Lisa, you and I, and I, I got expelled for skipping school as well. Went yeah, man, my best friend, but... Melissa, she's the same way. She says, we all wanted to go open our own companies. That was, and, and we were talking, we were having that discussion. She goes, no, we wanted to go build our own companies. And we thought school, you are not. And, and honestly, I don't think they, they really weren't. were doing a great job to be really, really honest. So, no, um, you know, and Mel is, Mel is like, you know, one of the smartest people I know and kicks ass raising millions of pounds for nonprofits um, all over England. She does, she's amazing. And you watch that. I go, we just knew because we were all we were entrepreneurial. I mean, we we worked jobs. We did all kinds of stuff and we were not, you know, but you don't just because you have a but but sometimes you have to grow up and learn. You're going to have to do stuff you don't like in life. Yeah. Yeah. To move forward. And that that was a lesson. And Nancy just kind of she shook me. I was like, it didn't I didn't understand that I was affecting our relationship. I was just, it's all so what I'll get into detention again. Who cares? I've done that a million times and I'll skip that too. You know, I was in that kind of teenage mode of, um, it's all about me Arrogance. and I know everything. Arrogance. Oh, and, yeah. You know, I think you and I shared the smart, the, I had a, what was called a smart mouth, you know? And so, mm-hmm. but I did yeah. some things that weren't. Now she's improv. Bright. Now she's in improv yeah. with her smart mouth. <laughs> 
that's it though well, it's, it's a talent it's just thinking on your feet when when i was called into the principal's office I, I i recognized my error right away because i didn't get the same you had to have a note from your parents every time you missed a day mm-hmm. yeah. and so i would yeah. just get my friend to write my note and so well, i recognized when they had all of the notes on the desk that i wasn't using the same person to write all of the notes. So my mother's signature changed 50 times. You didn't know me in school. Yeah, you should have had me around. Lisa charged her You were better at forging your mom's. Yeah, see? I forged every. No, I would have them. And she sold the notes. I sold sold them. I made money. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. 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 Yep, I sold notes, wow. um, sick notes, yep. everything, and and I had everyone's signatures because I could copy. My nickname Kasuku is because I can copy things. Um, yeah, she's a parrot. Wow. I'm, I'm an original cop. I can copy voices. I can copy signatures. I can. I can. Uh, it's a very. It, I could be a really good criminal if I wanted to be one, but I think I. Well, fortunately, I just, everybody who's listening, she it. isn't, and I'm she not, doesn't yeah. do this anymore. So don't no. call her. Yeah. Oh no. I'll, <laughs> Hey, I'll open shop oh, again. Lisa. Come on, why not? I'm kidding. No. But that's what you in school. But then you didn't. But you see, I was so busy doing that, and I think it was an entrepreneurial side, and it was fun. And yet, on the same time, I didn't realize, hey, I'm hurting these Everybody. people here, and what what was around. And Nancy had to go. Hey, you need to understand pain, and I'm going to take this away from you, so you can feel what I'm feeling and what you're doing. And, and I know what you're saying, her doors are open, but she needed me to, you know, have the come to Jesus moment and it worked. And I was like, oh, a relationship. Oh, oh, this means something. You don't take it for granted. And so I think a lot of times with trust and the rebuilding and relationships is taking people for granted, not listening when the warning has been told to you because it's not convenient for your, your direction at that moment. And I think you know, that's and then a there hard are thing. those people that I think anyone who's listening would say, yeah, and there are those people who just are dishonest and have no problem with those big lies. And mm-hmm. so they can look at you straight in the eye, knowing they're not telling the truth. There's one thing that it's easier to forgive if it's so someone made a, a, a said the wrong thing or made but something that was hurtful, but it wasn't, wasn't intentional compared to, you know, I've worked for people who were just like, would look at you in the eye and lie. And regardless of the, the, Mm. the damage that it would do, like working for one guy and uh, you know, Oh no, the company's in, in great shape and go ahead and buy that, you know, buy that car, you're safe. And then went out of business the next, month and said yeah you know, well I could tell you because I didn't want you to quit it was like but Dude, you that's didn't have rotten. to say anything you didn't have to lie yeah yeah and, and those are the kinds yeah. of people that you you just never trust again and I have worked for people who seem like pathological liars and I think all of us can think of um mm-hmm. That, that's politicians why I, who are famous liars. Oh, oh good God, don't really? start me. But, but, but that's the thing. Sometimes trust cannot be rebuilt unless it's really, truly yeah. genuine. And a lot of times it is 
this goes to the doula side. It comes when people are on their deathbed and they go, God, I really did do this. Now am I going to go to heaven? You know, and I think suddenly you see people suddenly believe in God that didn't care about it during their whole life. And so it comes to that weird part of their life where suddenly it's like, oh, Mm -hmm. I need to you know, be, you know, it's, it's called playing the odds. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind yeah. of that end part. So, um, on your soul journey doula side, um, it, do you see that? Is that something for people to work on when they know that, Oh, I'm reaching those end stages. Maybe I do really need to make amends. I mean, that's why I brought up AA and I know we touched on that before when we were talking yeah. about end of life and legacy that, in AA, they really do make people uh, say sorry. And it's usually not even a conversation because it doesn't need to spark any drama so that the person starts using again or drinking again or whatever the yeah. situation is. Um, and to not interfere with someone's life that you've already hurt, but to let them know, hey, I'm fixing things and I'm sorry. I, I sucked, whatever and it was. One of the things as an HR, I, I worked as an HR manager for a couple of companies. And one of the things that I learned from observation is if people weren't consistent in their ability to, to do the job, if they were absolutely brilliant one day and they were in the toilet the next day and they couldn't carry it through the next day, that it could be like, I, I'd start looking for different things. It could have been, um, they might have some mental health issues. That would be one thing. Or it Drinking. could be an addictions issue. Yeah. And if it was an addictions issue, then there was a lot of trust things mm. that had to be brought up. Now, in Canada, mm. if someone had a recognized um, addiction, you if they were willing to go for treatment, then they kept their job. Oh. You would hold a job for them. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was kind of interesting. So if you if that you is. would go to, yeah, and and I saw that in the military too that there was because um, I used to do hmm. training. I wasn't part of it but of the military, but I did training for the military around emotional intelligence and had some great conversations with some of the HR people, and they said that if a person had the problem and were willing to go for treatment, then they would work with them. And they would mm. allow them to rebuild the trust and keep their job. Mm. That's wow. awesome. So it's, I think that's, yeah, it's that, 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 no, I just, I like that because it gives people that second chance because addiction comes from trauma most of the time, or you yeah. look at Prince, right? The musician and the, the whole fentanyl epidemic oh. going across this country where it's something that was pushed on you from drug companies and doctors and a lot of people that shouldn't have. And, you know, people ended up addicted um, that shouldn't be and didn't have maybe an addictive personality or maybe they did, but some of these drugs are really addictive. And they, so they always said, you know, heroin, you could take it once and you're addicted for life. I never did. That's South Africa did do that. They did really good anti-drug commercials where they showed people Mm. taking heroin and then throwing up. And, and when I saw that, I went, I'm not throwing up. I'm not yeah, but Lisa, <laughs> remember when, when you had your arm problem, right? And you were on Vicodin, I had to take it away. Yeah, when they did surgery on my arm, they gave me Vicodin. But yeah. you get weird. And like Prince and died. And after Prince a while, was, I'm like, that's enough of that. Prince, Prince didn't, yeah. was not a druggie. He was not, he was, he, you know, he was a Jehovah's Witness. or that, I think he was a Jehovah's Witness. 
and very about clean life and clean living. And he only did it because of pain. And he ended up taking more and more and more. And that's how he died. And he even was calling on, I think, a priest or a preacher or, or a mentor or something to help him somehow work through the pain management. But anyway, the, the reality of those, of, aside from those kind of medically induced addictions, yeah. let's put it that way, addiction comes from trauma. And something mm-hmm. happening in a cycle in your your life, you know, or it's from, usually emotional, or DNA, chemical, and not physical, or chemical. Yeah. And so, there's a lot of um, so what what Canada is doing. I think that's really remarkable to help because there's a lot of company. stigma. Now I'd have to, yeah, yeah. My my cousin um, was in an accident, and her pelvis was broken, and so she was. Oh given really strong pain killers and it went on for quite a while. And then she did recognize that she was getting addicted to these. So she went to the doctor and said, okay, now I need to know the program or the regimen for getting off these. And the doctor said, oh, there is no regimen. You just stop taking them. Oh yeah. Right. And so she had to go, her and her husband you know, like they had two kids, they had someone take care of the kids for a week. And she said, they together went and she said she had the week from hell. And she, you know, at the end of the week, she was able to quit taking them. But it amazes me that I don't think there is a standard procedure. And for anyone listening, if you're a medical professional, tell me I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But when you prescribe those really strong painkillers and they've been on them for a while, do you have a regimen to get them off of the painkillers? It's not, it's not only that. When doctors prescribe medicines, there's all kinds of side effects. It's not always addiction. Yeah. There's side effects to other mm-hmm. parts of your body that mm-hmm. they somehow forget or neglect to warn you about. Well, and this this you actually know? does lead to trust, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because you trust in the medical profession yeah. and people make mistakes and every doctor makes mistakes. Every nurse makes mistakes, just like anybody, you know, it, it, it is the way it is. And you can't be perfect. Um you know, pilots have, I think, one of the pilots and drivers and, you know, getting in an Uber, you know, that could, anybody driving, every time we get on the road, it's like, okay, you have to have this law of the universe trust that somebody's not going to be an idiot and smack into your car and that you don't become the idiot and do it, that. right? Right. So there's that weird law of the universe of that, but um, the medical profession, you have to trust that they're mm-hmm. going to do the right thing to your body. And so I, I have a thing about that. Like you, if you don't like your doctor and he doesn't, and maybe he's the best, I don't know. That's kind of a weird, you have to really rate, like, can you handle this? Even if you don't, like, if he's, you know, rude or whatever, can you handle that fact? If he's one of the best, is he the best? Do you trust him? Do you piss him off and then go, uh oh, like, you know, so it's kind of a weird, the medical profession and trust, um, I think they should all get rid of their white jackets and there'd be a lot more trust, you know? Yeah. I don't think, yeah. um, well, I, I don't think my doctor wears one and we, we just got a new, new one in Savannah because we only hmm. moved there a year ago. And it always surprises me that they keep getting like younger and younger 
And then I realized, no, no, I'm just getting older. <laughs> oh, yeah. They all look well, like and, kids to me now. Well, oh. and, the, and the, I think the profession is changing because it needs to and has to. And they are trying to lessen the white coat syndrome that a lot of older people have because they've been through, you know, you see white and you're like, I'm, I'm leaving because it's going to hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, you know so, yeah, I think that it, they're learning that after so many years of treatment under different doctors, the white, which used to stand for cleanliness, mm. is now fear. It's it's a fear factor now. Yeah. For some people, not for everybody, but for some people. Well, but the the medical profession, I think, had this really, that's why they have um, the trust factor is bedside manner allows people to have some trust in them because they're touching your body in places you don't want. It's like, I don't want you to see this. I'm not going to oh, talk we've about seen it all. You know what I mean? But doctor, but, um, I came because my shoulder's <laughs> sore. What yeah. are you touching there for? Yeah, exactly. yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Here we go. But yeah, so there's, you know, there's there's a whole <laughs> bunch of different things that go with it. But that trust part's there. Um, and, it, and it's crucial because it's somebody's body. But in the rebuilding of it, I just, I find it, um, I think it has to be, I, I think, there's we're all walking around not knowing if we've created distrust with people. I remember once um in our business uh, a client that was um, a little bit up and down all around with what she was doing and um it just it, it this is years ago and she renewed some advertising and the invoice went out and unfortunately the invoice like everything tripled up on the bill and it wasn't correct. And mm-hmm. we didn't catch it. Cause it's like one of our bills. Like it's, it looks, it's a normal number to us, you know, and she received it and she's like, this is not what you quoted. And I went, Oh, it's absolutely not. Please don't pay that. She goes, no. And, she, and I said, I'm so sorry. The billing went out and you know, I didn't see it when it went out. And this is a complete error on our part. Of course, it's this, what I told you. Cause I didn't even send an email saying, this is the price. This is what you get. This will be followed up. So, I mean, it was already in writing to her that you're going to, this is what you agree to. And, and she would never talk to me again. And I apologize. And she, like, I know she used it as, as an excuse not to pay a bill, but at the same time, like I immediately took action on it, yeah. but it was like, it created a sense of distrust, but it yeah. was a legitimate error that any, it could happen to anybody, you know? It's a typo, like one thing goes ding and then the, you know, and I would have questioned and said, hey, I thought it was this, you know, and she, no, you know, we didn't mean that, you know, and it was, and I wonder if people jump to those conclusions so quickly, then I wonder about them. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. You know, so and, and there's and another exercise be, that I do. Yeah, yeah. Which is, you know, where do you start with trust? So when you've just met a person for the first time, so imagine that you're working in an office and someone new is hired. Mm -hmm. Where do you start with trust from a one to 10? Do you completely trust them until they do something or do you start with no trust and they have to build it? And so when I've done that exercise and I have people line up according to where they are with trust, the majority of people are really towards the middle which I think is kind of healthy. It's like 
well, you know, mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna see I'm gonna give them a certain amount of trust, but they also I have to get to know them a little bit. There's some people who say I don't trust anybody. Wow. Anybody. They have to show me that they can be trusted. And then there's the other people who say I trust everything they do until they don't do something. And I think on mm-hmm. either end, you're making a mistake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Personal yeah. thing. You know, like I, I think that you have to, in order to have trust, you have to give trust. I really think that it, and there's a saying, and I can't remember who said it, um, that the fastest way to find out if someone can be trusted is to trust them. Oh, for sure. And so give them something to give them something and, and see where they stand for, for people who are looking for um, behaviors that, you know, they're wondering if there's a concern and how do I rebuild trust? There's an infographic that I did. It's the, the article mm. on my site is called the impact of trust and it's an infographic and it gives you, you know, what is the concern? What's the possible feelings that someone might feel if this happened and what is the behavior that you could do to rebuild trust if it's lost? So it's kind of a nice little thing. Um, yeah, I'll link if, that in the show nice. notes for everyone. Yeah, I'll link nice. that in the okay. show notes. Yeah. So yeah. everyone you know, has there's, that. So. There's such a thing as reading body language. And um, I learned that from observing wildlife, whether you're going to be in trouble or not. And you can use the same thing on people. And if you have the the wherewithal to meet the person from the body language and the vibes, you can pick up whether or not you should trust. But the way business is done now, okay, you can go over Zoom. It, that's just not as effective as an in-person meeting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's I agree with that. And I think people do have this distrust thing on a on a on a weird level now where they're you know, they, I think it comes from the, the politics, man. People just don't trust anything well, anymore I, no, because, because of politics. I, and politicians but, are all cleany weeny and oh I'm a great guy. But I think I think it yeah. you have to look at who you are as a person. Are you always out there like if you go to a grocery store and they ring up the bill wrong, is it oh, hey, the bill was wrong. Did you make a mistake? Not hey, they're out there to get my extra money. You know what I mean? And that's the thing yeah. I'm talking about. That same thing. That's what happened with us. And I'm going, dude, it, it this has nothing to do with anything. I'm not here to, you know, I, I'm not, that, that doesn't, that, that's not, I mean, we know, you know? And so yet there's that person who will go, oh, they're, they're trying to sneak something one on, on you. And I've seen, like, I know a lot of bar owners who have done some really crazy things on trying to track every bartender's pour, which I agree because a lot of bartenders will over pour and for tip money. But if you're not taking like care them. of your staff, you are going to have a problem of theft and trust if you're not taking care of your staff. And so I really yeah. believe that it comes from leadership. And you're, yeah. if you screw up as a leader, like you're saying, rebuild it immediately, start communicating, do something. Um, but if you, if you are treating your staff like, and you know, you know what, then they're going to start doing things behind your back. They are. Absolutely. They're going yeah. to, because they simply won't care. I obviously didn't care about my school leadership because I really didn't, <laughs> you know. And when I had good teachers and a good principal that were was immersive and, and kept us all engaged, I was engaged. If I'm not engaged, you know shenanigans is going to happen. 
And I think you that's the point. Weird, Lisa, yeah. you had some weird teachers. You really I know. Did. I, I know. We like, could write a book on that. But, oh but my Lee, gosh. always good to have you on the show. It's it's always oh, a and always, always fun talking to you, too. I, I know. We always get into shenanigans somewhere, right? That's one thing. we You can always trust that we go off topic a little bit. Something naughty yes. is talked about, and um, we have a good time, no matter what we're talking about. Even if it's, you know, talking about death, we have a good time. So, uh, everyone, again, keep up with Lee. Uh, go to thetrustarchitect.biz. And also, uh, for her end-of-life uh, doula work, go to souljourneydoula.com. And I'll find that link for her article and also put it in the show notes for you. We thank you, listeners, as always, for joining us here on Big Blend Radio you can keep up with us at bigblendradio.com. Thank you all so much. Thanks, Thank Lee. You. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks, Nancy.